Good afternoon from Southeast Asia. Happened to be in Manila, but maybe not for long. <laughs> we'll cover that later. We're going to cover the various countries later. This will be episode or volume number 11 <coughs> of the Southeast Asia Chronicles. Name's got to go stupid. <laughs> I'm tired of Chronicles <laughs> in every form. Um, let's see, all tapes, all images, all everything are copyright 2023 by stockphotosworldwide.com. If you happen to like aliens, well, no, no, you're not going to. Once you learn about aliens, you ain't going to like them no more. <laughs> if you want to learn about aliens and why you will not like them, go to alienanalprobe.com or theyclaim.com, or vibratingcactus.com, or, ready for this one, save the gay whales for Jesus. I'm not joking. Look at me when I'm not smiling. <laughs> save the gay whales for Jesus.com. Okay. Alien whispererproductions.com. I don't even know where all they are. They're in the RSS feeds. There's a sprinkling of them on YouTube. Uh, whatever. Don't care. Don't know. Don't care. Um, okay. Um, the purpose. What the hell are we doing here? The purpose is to help you decide if you might want to escape the matrix and go to Southeast Asia. And a lot of the stuff we're talking about here, specifically we're talking about Southeast Asia, but if you decide to go to Brazil, you know, a lot of this stuff is still going to apply. Uh, specifics would be different, but the general concepts are going to apply all straight across around the world. If you're coming from a Western nation, <laughs> hang on to your hat there, Paisano. Oh, God, it'll be a ride. Uh, maybe a good one, might be a bad one, might be in between one, might be ups and downs like a roller coaster, but it's going to be a ride. If you are languishing in a life of quiet desperation in some Western country in which the life has been sucked out of it and out of you, and you're just existing, get the hell out. Just get out the back, Jack. Get yourself free. Oh, bug. A bug. <laughs> got, you. got you, didn't I, you little bastard? <laughs> okay, this is Bug Central. Actually, Thailand was worse. Uh, Cambodia is worse yet. You know, whatever. Um, that's funny. In the Philippines, I don't see people eating bugs. Maybe they do. Thailand is common. You have street stands with, uh, oh, I don't know. 15, 18 varieties of bugs, and they're all in little dishes, and uh, the guy's got a little cook top there, and you tell him how you want to prepare it, and how many you want, and throws them in, cooks them up. Some, some really raw, they're all dead. Well, no, they're not all dead. Some, most are dead. Um, I've tried nearly every single one, many times over the years, because what, because, you know, you got some Yahoo from the Western country comes to visit you, What's it like in Thailand? Okay, motherfucker, you're going to find out. <laughs> We're going right now. And you take them somewhere. There's a bug stand and 
<clears throat> and you say, chow down. And what are they going to do? They just say, no, no, they're in Thailand. They're adventure of their life, you know. <laughs> they got to eat bugs. And especially when you start eating them, they don't have any choice. They're not going to have you show them up. <laughs> they got to eat bugs. And I don't tell them which ones are truly hideous. <laughs> I've got videos of guys popping in a great big old, I don't know, like almost half dollar. Well, not almost half dollar size big old black beetles. And, and you're saying, yeah, these are good. These are the good ones, you know. It tastes like almonds. <laughs> and they crunch them and crunch them. And their face just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And you're, bleh, bleh, bleh. <laughs> they're spitting them out. That's <laughs> yeah, really funny. And they go, you let them go around the whole rest of the evening with a, a little leg hanging off their lip. You know? <laughs> That's what I live for. Okay, so we're supposed to be telling you, um, helping you decide if you want to move to Southeast Asia. And if you do, how are you going to do it? You got the money. How much money does it take? Stuff like that. We're not quite there yet. We're getting there. <laughs> really, we are. We're covering every detail I can think of. Okay, this is a comprehensive <laughs> uh, review instruction manual. Okay. We're at 11. This is number 11, volume 11. And I suspect we probably get 15. Yeah. Probably got 10 more to go. Maybe, maybe 10. Probably not more than 10 to cover this, um, to the degree and depth that I want to cover it. And, and we'll give you the tools you need to make some decisions. Um, okay. We've covered this quite a few times. All you poor suckers up there <coughs> in Western countries could be France. Well, we don't care about the French. Fuck the French. That's what they say to us. You know, you go there and you, you stop somebody on, on the street and, you, and you're very best French, you know, you ask them where's uh, nearest restaurant. Fuck you. In French. Um, it's funny, the, the French that leave France are not so rude. I think because they know once they get out of their native territory with their buds in their homes and they're rude like that, they're going to lose their goddamn teeth. <laughs> and they will. So they're really brave in France. They get out of France, they're not so bad. So I knew lots of French people in Southeast Asia. They're okay. I got along with them. They're fine. We'd go hang out, have adventures. No problem. Uh, and, and I'm going to do a breakdown of my personal experiences with and opinions of the various nationalities that come to Southeast Asia. Uh, and that's my personal opinion, but it's based on my direct experience. Oh, God, oh, God. In fact, so I don't forget that. <laughs> Got ya. <laughs> okay, now last time we left you in Bangkok and we just chose Thailand because it's the center of Southeast Asia. You can go to any other country and I'll tell you about the other countries, but um, that's what I did when I, when I was tired of the matrix and my wife had passed away and I was adrift. I mean, I was adrift like few people are ever adrift in this life. And uh, I had money. I was fortunate. I had a lot of money. 
not so much anymore, but some. <laughs> and I just needed out. I needed out. My brain was going to explode. My heart was broken. Uh, and I needed out. And I literally pulled up a map of most of the world, uh, mostly Southeast Asia, because I sort of had an inkling I wanted to go to Southeast Asia, but I was open to any place else in the world. And I had, I had given away my business, um, had money, had no responsibility, my wife was gone, kids grown, cat's dead. <laughs> no, the cat wasn't dead. Uh, that was a big, big thing. I was really, really close to that cat. And, uh, and I had to leave him, and then he died because they didn't take good care of him. That hurt. That hurt a lot. Still hurts right now. That's, that's been 11 years. That hurts. 10 years. Um, I left everything, put it in storage, and just took a few suitcases and, and went. Um, and I, did pin the, I pulled up a map on the, on the screen, and I did pin the tail on the donkey. I closed my eyes, and I went, yeah, that one. I'm going to that country, and it turned out to be Thailand, because Thailand's the biggest and the most central. You can always see it wasn't wasn't any uh, spiritual force that directed me. It was just it was the biggest country, and I'm kind of in the middle of the map, you know. I mean, I should have gone off to the edge or something like that. Could have been Borneo, you know. That would have sucked. <laughs> but anyway. Um, so it's hot. It's hot. We, we got a lot of monsoons going on. So humidity is 214%. Got two air conditioners going. Fans still just sitting here sweating. Hmm. Um, okay. So we left you. We, we just hypothetically said you went to Thailand. And the first place you're going to go in Thailand is Bangkok. And you know, if you're kind of footloose, you're probably going to hang around in Bangkok for a while. See what Bangkok is. Another bug. See what Bangkok is about. Oh, I kill you. Jeez. And um, most people do. I did for a while, a couple of months, at least a couple of months, and learned a lot. Um, and so we've got you as far as Bangkok. You're in a hotel. You're, you know, if you're a girl, you didn't come to Thailand because <laughs> they don't. They just don't they, don't, they don't want, quite a few reasons ladies don't come to Thailand. Um, it's a little too exotic for them. It's a little too rough. It's a little too backwards. Um, I think honestly, they don't, Western women don't want the competition because they're going to lose. They're going to lose. <laughs> they're going to go from top of the food chain to the bottom in one flight. Bottom. <laughs> it's, you know, that, yeah, let's not go into that. I, that's a whole, <laughs> a whole other tape, probably. Um, ladies alone don't go to Thailand. Ladies with husbands go to Thailand and then they regret it. <laughs> you figure out why. Um, so it's guys. So you're a guy and you came to Thailand. And you're in Bangkok and you're looking for girls because you're stupid. Because you didn't get the anti-testosterone shots that I told you to get before you left Western country. Get them. 
you know, go to the doctor, say, you don't want to think about girls anymore. You want to be disgusted by them. Oh God, this is serious advice. I'm not fucking joking. <laughs> like, I'm not. I wish I was. If you do that, I don't even know if she can do it. I don't know if they have shots like that. I'm just making this shit up. If they do, get them. Get them. Uh, if you're test, if you're old and your testosterone is naturally low, do something to finish it off. <laughs> you don't want that shit. You want to have a nice, peaceful life and have some adventures and, and uh, not lose all your money and not be aggravated and um, purge out that testosterone. Just get it gone because it's not your friend. <laughs> I don't. I know you don't understand what the hell I'm saying. You will after about five years. In most Southeast Asia countries, you you say, "Oh my God, that's what that jackass was talking about." Oh, he was brilliant. He was a genius. Oh my God! But I didn't get it at the time, and now I've wasted all this time and all this money and all this heartache. And oh, I wish I would have listened to him. <laughs> Okay, so if you come to Thailand, you don't have any testosterone in your system, you're going to have a lovely life. Lovely. You're going to explore. Oh, it's going to be great. But if you still have testosterone, or like some fools do, they realize their older testosterone is going down. And uh, in Thailand, there's uh, like testosterone clinics on every third corner for the phalanx. Because they know they want that. They want to be the stud they were when they were 23. That ain't going to happen, but they'll milk you as best they can. So you go in and you get some pills. It's probably just going to make you sick. And you get some big testosterone shot up the ass. You do that once a week or once every 10 days. And you know, your libido will go up. It doesn't mean your capability is going to go up. Maybe a tiny bit, but. <laughs> Basically, you're old and you're fucked. Um, but your life's... Oh, God, you're going to learn. I mean, if, if the purpose of life on Earth is to learn, oh, God, you're going to the concentrated school of learning, school of concentrated learning about life. And having Thai or Southeast Asian females in your life is, is going to accelerate that just... I feel like in the last 10 or 11 years I've lived 10 lifetimes, 10 or 15, maybe 20 compared to a guy who is an insurance salesman in a Western country. And I mean, he's learning also, he's learning what it's like to be bored and why you should not be bored. <laughs> you know, that's what he's learning. Everybody learns, period. You can't help it. Uh, you're going to learn. You step off a cliff, you're going to learn why you shouldn't have stepped off the cliff. You know? um, okay, so you're in Bangkok, and you kind of figured out the routine a little bit. You can get around. And I've been telling just sort of random stories. People write in, and they pose questions, or they just, sometimes they just, like, send one word. Like, yesterday, somebody just made a one-word message, said, snakes. <laughs> Yeah, got them. What do you want to know? <laughs> so we went through a discussion of snakes. Here's one that says driving. What about it? 
can you drive in Thailand? Well, yeah, you can. You don't want to, but you can. Uh, I've, I've said many times Thailand is, is the most dangerous country in the world to drive in, more fatalities per capita, per mile, I guess, or something, than any other country. The Thais routinely try to cook the books and they say, no, we're number two, we're number three. Well, the independents come in and, you know, sift through the books and say, nope, um, sorry, you're number one. Thais say, no, that, that can't be true. Uh, well, it is true. You know, you drive for one fucking day, you know, it's true. <laughs> they're a stupid driver. And they're crazy drivers and they don't care. Um, anyway, you can get a Thai driver's license. Um, I'm probably not going to go through the procedure for that right now. Maybe, maybe towards the end of the series when I'm, you know, searching for scraps to toss out there, we'll go through the procedure to get a Thai driver's license. It is now so convoluted and, and absurd and ludicrous beyond ludicrous. Oh, that's one of our domains beyond ludicrous speed. You can go there for aliens <laughs> beyond ludicrous speed. Remember the old Spaceballs movie? That's how fast they were going beyond ludicrous speed. <laughs> um, okay, so you can get a Thai driver's license. You can get a driver's license in pretty much any country. The procedures are vastly different. Thailand is, has become... Oh, God. The last time I did it, just to renew, just to renew was um, pushing a month. And I couldn't get through it. I had gone through it for the 11 years before that, 10 years before that. Um, but I couldn't get it done that last time because Prayut, the, the prime minister, by force, um, had instituted so many new policies that he made it impossible for a Falang just to walk in, get a driver's license anymore, even to renew, even to renew. Uh, and I guess I will go through that because it's it, it'll be yet another example of the insanity of Southeast Asia. I'll, I'll go through that, not this time probably, but one episode. Yeah, you can do it. You don't want to do it. Uh, your life's going to be so much better if you just take taxis. They got every kind of taxi. They got tuk-tuks and they got uh, song twos. Twos, I never pronounce it well enough for the ties. They are in some cities. Well, I, okay, song two <laughs> sounds Frenchy. Is just a pickup with some bench seats in the back, and you it stops. They, they go on kind of, sort of established routes, but they'll veer off. You know, you'll be on one thinking you're on the way to the mall, and they just take a right hand turn to go somewhere else that day because they just feel like it. And you go a couple of blocks and you think, what the fuck, what the fuck? You can't ask them because they don't speak English. So you're banging, hitting the, the, the buzzer to get off, you know. And you get off and then what the fuck? You got to walk back to the main line. You got to pay them, even though they took you the wrong way. You got to pay them. And um, then you walk back to the main line, a couple of blocks, however long. And then you wait for the next one. Hope that it's going to go where it's supposed to go. Well, it might or it might not. Probably will, might not. Uh, they're cheap. They're, uh, they're they're called bot buses, um, or the or the Thai name is uh, the Song Two Two Two. Fuck, whatever. Ten years I couldn't pronounce it. I got corrected every time. I'd say Song Two, and they'd say No, Song Two. What? Song Two? No, no, you're a stupid phalang. Song Two. Oh. 
Yeah, I wonder if I joke. Can we, we just call it joking in English, you know? What's a Thai word for joking? <laughs> Shit. Okay, so the English is bot bust. But in they're not a tuk-tuk. They're not a tuk-tuk. A tuk-tuk is T-U-K, T-U-K. They're not a tuk-tuk, but in some towns they call them a tuk-tuk. It's just insane. <coughs> I think the phalanx got that started because they didn't want to say song two. <laughs> so they just said, oh, it's a tuk-tuk. Well, no, it's not. A tuk-tuk is a little three-wheel thing. Uh, there's a lot of those in Bangkok. They're really expensive. They're really dangerous. They're really smoky. They're little two-stroke engines. The, the fumes will kill you. You know, you stopped at a light and there's no breeze. The two-stroke fumes are... God, they're going to kill you. It's horrible. Um, but they're everywhere and they're... The cheapest way is a motorbike taxi. Um, the next thing... Oh, the, the next thing would be a, a Grab or an Uber type thing. Um, the next one would be... Well, oh God, I don't know. The buses, the buses are going to be the cheapest, but you're never going to figure those out. Not in Bangkok. If you got a Thai girlfriend, just go, just go, or just tell her you want to go somewhere, and she'll figure out the best way to get you there, and she'll take you. It'll be painless. Bus, whatever, it doesn't matter. No air conditioning on the buses. Windows are all down. Stinks. It's rough. It's nasty. Okay, driving. Don't do it if you don't have to. I resisted for the first six months. I would just sit places, sidewalk cafes, and watch the traffic and say, nope, nope, ain't doing that. Nope, nope. And then I did it. And I learned to do it really well. Tens and tens and tens of thousands of miles on countless motorbikes. Uh, never got hit, never went down. But that was luck. Drove lots of cars, rented lots of cars, drove them crisscross Thailand driving cars. Um, you could do it. You got to get used to driving on the left side. Some places, Western countries, you do that anyway. Some places, it was it was a big thing for me. I I had a hard time adjusting, but I did, and now I can't adjust back. <laughs> I drive around in a Western country, and I'm constantly trying to go over the left side, left side of the road. Okay, so driving is driving. I'm just going to leave it there, so I'll mention it later. Okay, health insurance. Uh, used to be nothing was required before COVID. Hospitals were cheap. Um, you just pay for them. Whatever happened, pretty much, you just paid for it. If something really went haywire, hopefully you were still lucid enough to get a flight back to your Western country and, and take advantage of whatever national uh, insurance system they had for anything serious. And then maybe you got patched up and you came back. You know, lots of guys did that. Uh, health insurance now is stinking expensive in Thailand. Not so much in some other countries, but in Thailand, they, they just did kind of land grab. Oh, now they got to have insurance with COVID. Let's see. How much can we rape them? Oh, I think the sky's the limit. Okay, there's all kinds of really, really, really bad insurance that will satisfy the government requirements to get you into the country or get you a visa. Uh, but they're shit. They're not going to cover hardly anything at all. 
Um, if you want good insurance, it's going to give you good coverage. You're going to pay through the ass. You're going to have as much as 500 U.S. a month. How much you're paying in uh, in your Western country, you know, probably a lot less than that. So Thailand has gone berserk. The cost of medical care in Thailand is probably 20% what it is in a Western country, but the insurance is more. So you figure it out. You figure out who's getting rich on that bullshit. Uh, okay. I've had a couple of questions. I mentioned in the very first one that uh, in 10th grade, I went to the school counselor and I said, I can't take this shit anymore. I don't like the kids. I don't like the teachers. I don't like, the, I'm not learning anything. There's nothing here that I'm learning that I could not get out of a set of encyclopedias. Nothing. And I just sat there and I just waited for the argument, you know, well, you got to stay in school. You'll never be a success, you know. And he looked at me for a long time, 30 seconds, just looked at me. No words. And uh, he said, you know, I, I talked to him before and he, he was a rational guy. He said, you know, I've always held that there are some people on this earth who don't need school. And I thought, oh, well, that's kind of a positive development. <laughs> and he, uh, he said, you sure you want to quit? I said, yes, yes, sir. Done, done. And he signed the papers and I walked out, done, 10th grade. Now, so people are asking me, don't you regret that? Oh, fuck. You must be such a failure. Uh, no, I haven't regretted it for one minute. Not for one minute. Um, truly, there was nothing in there that I was learning or was going to learn that I couldn't get out of a set of encyclopedias. There was nothing. Nothing. Um, it could be argued that, well, you stay in school, you're going to learn about social interaction. Well, I didn't want to learn about that anymore. I saw it. I knew what it was. I didn't want any more social interaction with Western yuppie kids. Still don't to this day. I don't. Don't want them around. Don't want to think about them. Don't want to see them. Don't want to smell them. Don't want to hear them. Um, I went out and learned about life. Real life. And I never regretted it for one microsecond. I made more money in my life. Probably, I don't know, probably a hundred times more money in my life than I ever would have made had I gone into some normal profession, especially a salaried profession. In 1976 and onward, 77 and onward. I was working as a commercial diver and I was making on, on the deepest dives that I could do that I had equipment for. I was making 2,600 USD an hour. One hour minimum, I could do two hours a day. You know, okay. So money, the money argument is a stupid bullshit argument. Um, no, I never regretted it. I did go back later, some years later. I did go back 
and I got to, got into some deal on an Air Force base. Um, I was doing some weird government stuff, and I got into an Air Force base on a program that was going to put me through college pretty much for free. Um, and so I f finished out the, the little bit of high school thing and started into some college stuff. And I think I stuck that up for a year. And uh, the same old story as high school. It was, uh, I, I had hoped, okay, these are college people. Uh, these are going to be smarter and more involved beings. And they weren't. They were high school kids. They're just stupid, loud, mouthy, pushy, idiotic high school kids. Now at the college level, frat boys and girls. Teachers were just the same, uninspired, teaching me stuff that I could get out of any encyclopedia. If I even wanted to know it, well, one of the beauties of school is that they're going to expose you to things that you didn't know you needed to know or didn't know you wanted to know. And then suddenly it, it sparks something and you go, oh my God, that's cool. I, I like that. I'm going to learn more about that. Okay, that's a good thing. Okay, you could do the same thing with a set of encyclopedias. You, once a day you go open one at random. Same exposure. Same exposure. Okay, no, I didn't regret it. No. Never did. Don't now. I Do I recommend it? No. Not for the vast majority of people. Um, a lot of people just need that structure. They just can't think on their own. Um, the ones who don't need it, know it. And they're going to do what they want anyway. Sometimes that'll work out for them, sometimes it won't. Um, okay, so I got another note here. It says, what do I think of the various nationalities that I find throughout Southeast Asia? Let's save that for a little later time. We did health insurance. Um, monkey stories, <laughs> we'll save for later. Okay, so you're in Bangkok and you've been there a while. You We've covered, you know, Pretty soon you're going to need to extend your visa. You got to decide: are you going to go for a retirement visa or some kind of long-term visa? Or you know, every country's set up differently. Um, or are you just going to stay out your visa that you have, your tourist visa, and then go to another country or go back home? Um, if you're going to go back home, then you know, just stop listening pretty much now because you're done. Um, if you're going to go to another country, we'll cover some other countries. Later on, I'll cover all the ones that I have, you know, firsthand intimate knowledge of. Uh, what happened in my case was, I, I mentioned that I had met the girl, and she hung with me pretty much every day. Um, nice girl. Um, what happened between us, what happened to that girl? That was a really sweet, nice girl. She stayed with me pretty much every day. And most nights, 
Um, and I, I, I talked about her before. Um, it was not romantic in any, not even remotely romantic, never kissed her, never hugged her, nothing. Just a, a nice friend. I don't know for sure what she wanted. I never really figured out what she wanted. Um, she wanted a friend, that much I knew. She would not let me give her any money. She would not let me buy anything for her except food when we went out and, and pay for the taxis. <clears throat> We'd go to mall after mall after mall. Uh, I had a lot of money and I wanted to do nice things for her because I knew her life was shit beyond comprehension. She lived in a tiny room with uh, between 10 and 12 people. No fans, no air conditioners, no nothing. Just, you know, they cooked on a on top of a propane five-gallon bottle in the room. That's it. Lucky to have rice. Lucky to pay the rent. The rent was 30 or $50 a month, something like that. And between the 10 of them, they could barely scrape it up. Uh, and I tried every possible way to help her financially. She wouldn't think of it. She wouldn't let me buy her anything at all. Um, lots of times, uh, she, she had a little sewing business thing and she had to pretty much take it with her everywhere she went. It was, it was kind of a little embroidery thing. She did this real detailed, um, almost fine art embroidering thing for customers. Uh, and lots of times I wanted her to just take a day off. And let's go just, you know, come on, let's go play. Let's go, just go here, go there. Come on, come on. And she couldn't because she had some thing she had to do because her, she couldn't take a day off because she couldn't afford to take a day off. You know, I don't know what she was making, 50 baht a day, you know, maybe $3 a day, $2 a day, something like that. Um, she couldn't afford to miss a day. And I'd say, look, I, you know, I'll just pay you. You know, here, I'll, I'll give you 10,000 bucks. You won't have to work for a while, you know? Um, she wouldn't even, God, I couldn't force it on her. It was really distressing to me, but that was her moral code. She didn't want to be one of those Thai girls who took money from Falangs. It was unacceptable to her, and she didn't do it. She never did it. There's a story about that. Some guy was talking about how he went somewhere and saw somebody who was really poor, really in a hard, hard way. And he tried to give him money. And they said, no, sir, I can't take it. I, uh, you know, I, I work for what I have. I can't, I can't take this from you or anybody else. Thank you for the offer, but you know, no. And the guy, says, look, this is for you, but it's also for me. Because if I give you this money, I know it's going to help your life a little bit. And if I can help your life a little bit, that's going to make me feel good. It's going to make me happy. Now, please, don't cheat me out of that happiness. And the guy, the street guy or something, I can't remember what it was. And he thought about that for a minute. Okay. Took the money. Went and bought whatever, some food or whatever. 
Uh, I wish I would have tried that argument on her. I, I didn't, I didn't, that didn't occur to me at the time, but anyway, <clears throat> so we got to be, you know, somewhat close-ish as friends, depended on each other to a degree, not, not financially for me, but for companionship from her, because I was just lonely, just abjectly, desperately lonely. Um, and as I said, we went everywhere. You know, every opportunity that we could, we jumped in a cab and we went somewhere. She took care of it. She was the travel guide. And she could speak almost no English. And so we had to use Google Translate or some other translator. And so we're just constantly clickety, 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 you know, in the back of the cab, just clickety, 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 talking, talking, talking. And what happened was more and more increasingly, we started to have little misunderstandings in our exchanges. It was due to, well, it was due to several things. It was due to just the language, for one. It was due to the differences in culture, for another. But 90% of it was due to Google Translate incompetence. Google Translator, in Thai at least, is just pretty close to worthless. In fact, it might be a negative value. It might be worse than worthless. Um, it's like they made no attempt whatsoever to make it accurate in any possible way. If you type he, Google Translate in Thai will translate it to she, boyfriend is girlfriend. Um, you make a very simple statement, you know, can we eat someplace? Um, and Google will translate it to some bizarre fucking thing. And I can't think of any specific examples, but Google would, Google Translate would take something like that and translate it to, have you ever fucked a buffalo? Something that outrageous. And it would do that one out of three times, even though you're keeping the words really simple. And the phrase is really simple. Three words, five words tops. And Google would. Okay, I've picked up on that fairly early. I realized what was going on. Um, and she didn't really. She didn't seem to. She didn't seem to grasp that it was Google causing these misunderstandings. And so she would say something outrageous to me. And I would be like, oh, well, Google fucked that up. And I would say something that turned out to be totally outrageous to her, and, and she thought that I meant what I said. And then she would fire back with some insulting, angry thing, which probably was going to get screwed up in Google also. And really, really quickly, over about three or four or five exchanges, in the back of a taxi or in a mall, in a restaurant, whatever, um, she would be reduced to screaming apoplexy because she thought that I was such a dickhead. I was saying horrible things to her. And I wasn't, I was as nice and sweet as any human could possibly be, but Google was fucking it up. And I couldn't get that across to her. I would say Google made mistake. 
And, and that just never really seemed to register. Maybe it registered a little bit, but she couldn't imagine that Google could be that wrong. I'm positive I was the first phalanx she had ever tried to communicate with in this way. Maybe later with other phalanx or other people, she figured this out. But So very often, once or twice or three times a day, we would end up, I mean, you can't have big fights, you know. Ties don't do screaming stuff. But we would have screaming silent exchanges across Google. And then we would both end up just sitting in the back of the taxi with our arms folded, phone turned off, silent, you know. And then after an hour, we'd try it again. And those exchanges got more and more frequent and they got worse and worse as we tried to communicate more ideas through Google Translate. Uh, everybody I know has the same trouble. It's, it, this, this was not a one-off. Everybody. Um, we had one translator for a while that was a little bit better, I think, maybe. I think I think they actually used ties to to do the translations. Um, and, it, and it was somewhat better, but still not very good. But it was unreliable. Google was there all the time, no matter where you went. Um, and our relationship deteriorated. And it got to the point where I was beginning to realize, well, I don't really have a relationship here in Bangkok anymore. And all I had seen around me was hookers and scammers and can you give me money, please? And can we go to your condo right now? You know, that, that's pretty much all I'd seen around Bangkok. Um, the nice girls won't talk to you, especially if, you, if you're not fluent in Thai. So you're not going to, if you're not fluent in, fluent in Thai, you're not going to meet them. So they're going to be invisible to you. All you're going to meet is the scammers and the prostitutes. And that's true in most other countries, even in the Philippines, where English, uh, you know, quote unquote, is their biggest second language. Well, it is, but it's still very, very, very poorly done. Cambodia claims it speaks English. Well, not as well as Philippines. Philippines is not good. It's really not good. Um, so our relationship got more and more and more strained. And finally, I thought, well, okay, uh, I'm not thriving here in Bangkok. Um, it's too foreign. I can't find enough English to get anything done, to do anything. I've you know, been here a couple of months. I can't meet any friends. Um, I've seen all the touristy things and, and all the non-touristy things. Um, maybe it's time to go look at some other part of Thailand. Uh, I can't base my whole... I, I'm still deciding whether or not to stay there. And I can't base that decision on just Bangkok. So I was sitting in the hotel lobby one day and figuring my relationship with that girl was, you know, probably over 98%. And there had been a, a clerk in the hotel who had, who had been really nice, really sweet to me. And she had a teensy little bit of English. God, it was terrible, but, you know, more than anybody else in the hotel. And she kept smiling and giving me the eye and waving and stuff like that all the time I'd been there. 
Um, and so I was sitting in the lobby one day, just feeling dejected and thinking, well, what the hell? You know, maybe it's time to go. Where do I? I don't know where to go. What the fuck? I don't know what's out there. I, you know, going back to the U.S. was really not an option. I, geez, I've been trying all my life to get out of there, and I'm out. Now, now, why would I go back? You know, still had stuff ahead of me that might be doable. Um, and I was sitting there, I guess I looked pretty bad. Anyway, the same girl came over, the, the hotel clerk, and she sat down next to me and put her hand on my leg. And how are you, Sostikon? And we kind of talked a teensy little bit and, uh, I thought, well, you know, she wants something and she's already got a job, so she's not going to ask me for money. Um, she had never asked me to go to my room, you know, maybe possibly this could be a nice girl, not a bar girl, certainly not a street hooker, not a freelancer, nice, really pretty girl. She'd always been extra nice to me. And I thought, well, Hmm, maybe I should pursue this one just a teeny little bit, see what happens. And uh, we talked for quite a while there in the lobby, probably an hour. I don't know how she got away from the desk for that long, but nobody said anything. And then the, after an hour, she finally revealed her reason for being there, talking to me, and it was to sell me a tour package. Oh, yeah. No, you're not a scammer, but, you know, you're a spammer, <laughs> you know. Yeah, oh, God. So I said, no, done talking. She went away. And then I thought, well, okay, now it's really time to get out. I just, I, you know, Bangkok is just, is just not working out for me. And so I sent one last email message or whatever to the girl from, from before. And I said, I think I'm ready to leave Bangkok. I don't like it anymore. I'm not happy here. I want to see new things in Thailand all around Southeast Asia. And, uh, I thought, let's, let's give this one last shot. You know, I said, would you like to go? And she wrote back and said, well, I, I can't go. I don't have any money to go. And I said, well, that's fine. You know, I understand you don't have any money. Um, you can stop your work. I'll give you an allowance. Um, and we'll just travel and we'll see Thailand. We'll see what can happen between us. You know, we'll just see. If you don't like it, come back to Bangkok. I'll give you money. And she fired back and she said, how dare you offer to buy me? Oh, I hate you. You're stupid flying. Oh, I hate you. you oh. She just rattled on like that. I don't think I read it all. I just blocked it. Um, and so that was the end of Bangkok for me. Never saw her again. I miss, I miss the friendship. I wish it would have worked out. If not for the language, I think almost certainly it would have, would have been fine. Might be still with her. Um, the language was the problem, and then Google was the exacerbating uh, factor on top of that, making the language problem 
140 times worse. Uh, Google makes many, many things, maybe most things, worse. Because it's a company of morons, as far as I'm concerned. What do they do that's good? Well, my email is pretty reliable. Search engine is, is pretty good now. In the early days, it sucked. When they first when they first launched it, it was terrible. It was just as bad as anybody else. Now it's pretty good. Search engine is pretty good. Um, but they, you know, it's not that good. Um, so I don't know what Google does to enhance my life, except complicate it and cause trouble in it. Anyway, so I went to, I guess, the hotel manager or something. And well, I was like three or four up there. And between them all, you know, each one knew one of the English words I was using. And so we were able to have kind of a conversation. And I said, well, I'm, I'm ready to leave Bangkok. I don't know where to go. Can you recommend someplace that's nice? And they said something like, well, we can see that you, since you don't know Thai, you are really struggling here. Um, you need to have English in your life. You know, if you want to learn Thai later on, well, maybe that's okay. But right now you don't know any Thai and, uh, you're having a hard time in life and you need to be where there's English. And I agreed like, yeah, 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 yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right. And they named some town and they said, well, if you go here, it's, it's pretty, it's quieter than Bangkok. It's a lot cheaper than Bangkok. Um, there's some tourists there and there's a lot of English. Everybody speaks English. And I thought, well, what the fuck? Why not? Yeah, whatever. Okay. And I said, okay, uh, tomorrow I can go. Um, can you arrange a cab? And he said, yeah. So the normal fare to go down there was about, um, thousand baht. I didn't know at the time. Uh, they arranged a cab for me for like 2,700 baht. And they said, well, that's, that's the best price you're going to get, you know. Well, they paid the thousand and they pocketed the rest. Welcome to Thailand. And so anyway, he showed up in the morning, packed my stuff, went down. On the way down, I got across to him that I needed a hotel. He, well, he, he had said, what, where are you going? I said, well, the name of this town. And he said, do you have a hotel? No. So we're thinking about that all the way down. And he finally suggested one. So, well, okay, whatever. Now in the U.S., you can ask a cab driver, do you know a hotel that's like this? You know, it's not too expensive, not too cheap. Uh, you know, and they'll say, well, let's see, uh, I can think of one or two places that might work for you, you know, and they'll recommend a, a place or two and you can drive by and look at them and stuff like that. And it's pretty, it's a pretty doable thing to ask a cabbie for a recommendation for a hotel. And in Thailand, you don't do it. You don't do it. You don't do it. Not one time. You don't do it. I don't care who you are. What do you, I don't care. You don't do it. <laughs> you don't ask them to take you some, some place on their recommendation. There's a whole host of reasons why you don't do it. But you don't do it. Ever. Ever. Not one time. Uh, but I didn't know that. And this guy says, yeah, I, I know a hotel. Okay, yeah, I'll take care of you. Don't worry. So, shit. So we uh, go to his recommend, recommended hotel, get there late afternoon. And um, he helps me with my bags 
and walks in with me to the desk and they hand him, uh, I can't remember, 300 baht, 500 baht, something like that. Well, it, it was his little payback hotel for bringing guests there. He got a little kickback. You know? Okay, so it turned to be it turned out to be a it wasn't a horrible hotel, a little bit expensive. It was okay. Uh, right downtown, right in the middle of the busiest touristy section. And I settled in there, paid for a month, I think. And by that time, when that month ran out, I was gonna have to do something about a visa. Uh, and I figured, well, okay, this will, this is gonna tell me once and for all am I, am I gonna stay in Thailand or not? And uh, so I settled into that hotel and then started venturing out to look around. It was night and day from Bangkok. It was, I don't know, 10 or 15 or 20 times busier, whole different crowd of people. Activity level was incomprehensible. 500 times more girls. It was so overwhelming to me that I couldn't stay out more than about 10 minutes. I'd go out, stand by the main street, look around, maybe buy a Coke, look around some more, I would be so into sensory overload that I just went back in the hotel, laid down on the bed, talked to my family. And I did that for like a week. <laughs> I would walk a little farther each time. It took me a while to get to the point where I walked a whole block and then came back. It was so alien. It was all I could process. Okay, now I say that, and you're thinking, well, what, what the hell is he talking about? Oh, he must be a wussy. Oh, shit. Okay, I need to quantify that. How can I, how can I describe that? I don't even know. And this is the problem I've always run into, you know, friends from the U.S. or, or whatever country, they would say, what's it like in Thailand? And I say, well, well, it's overwhelming. It's bizarre. It's crazy. It's, a, it's another planet. And they're like, well, what does that mean? I don't even know how to describe it. The smells, I guess, probably the first thing that hits you, the smells, good and bad and ugly. Traffic was helter-skelter. Four-lane boulevard in front. Look at the pictures. Okay, here, this is, this is for the visuals. All you can do is look at the pictures on stockphotosworldwide.com. Uh, scroll down until you get to, uh, you know, page one, page two, page three, like that. There's about 60 pages. And, and I got so many more to post. I just haven't gotten around to it. But those will give you some ideas of the visual, visuals. I should have taken a lot more videos. It's a video world now. I, 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 I retired as a photographer. I was not a videographer. I should have been and I should be now. I, I should just concentrate on video because that's the world now, video. 
Uh, I'm trying. I'm trying to make that switch over. But it, you know, old dogs, new tricks. You know, like that. Um, so look through those pictures. You you get an idea. You cannot possibly get the smells. You you cannot feel the heat. You cannot hear the sounds. Oh, you need video. Video will give you more dimensions, except for the smells. Smells are a huge part of it, because the smells, you know, your your uh, nasal sensors are right there next to your brain. And uh, a couple of things will hit you throughout your life. You hear a piece of music after about the first ten notes. Oh my God, you're back. You're back to wherever wherever that song had meaning to you. You are back there, transported magically. Okay, smells are the same way. You smell something you haven't smelled for 50 years. You're back there. You're instantly back where you were when you smelled that before. Uh, these are all new alien smells, so they're just overloading you. Your, your brain is close to implosion. A little Titan brain, you know. <laughs> Too much pressure on it. Uh, traffic was people more or less stayed on their side of the street not really not that much predominantly but not you know certainly not totally somebody wants to go somewhere over there well they just drive down the wrong side of the road till they get there and you know, people gotta swerve around them uh soy dogs everywhere they'll bite you half of them are rabid scroungy mangy <laughs> Careless motherfuckers. <laughs> They're bad. Um, don't ever kick one, because then they will bite you, and the friends will come and bite you. Uh, I got along with them pretty good, because number one, I love all dogs. Pretty much all animals, except for snakes. Uh, so they could tell that I loved them. Even if they, if a pack of them came at me with the intention to tear me to smithereens, I, they could feel that I loved them. And that almost always just stopped them. Like, what is this? What? He loves us? What the hell? What the hell? Okay, it doesn't always stop them. You know, don't count on that. But um, later, after I'd been there a while, I started carrying little baggies of, of food. And that would pretty much always stop them. You know, they're, they're coming over. They're massing. They're, they're in a semicircle around you. And they're just daring each other. Bite that fucker. Bite that fucker. Come on, you do it. I'll do it. You know, like that. And you pull out a little baggie and you drop it on the ground. Like, oh, what? Well, okay, Bob, uh, we'll bite him after we eat this shit, you know. And then after they eat that shit, they're like, well, maybe he's got some more, you know. Let's not bite him yet. Let's see if he's got more. <laughs> you know, they kind of went like that. I got myself out of so many soy dog situations like that. It was just absurd. I never really, I, well, not really. I, I never had any serious trouble with soy dogs. Everybody I knew got bit. You know, they're in there for the 29 rabies shots in the stomach, you know, shit like that. Uh, I never, no, I did get bit. I was on my little e-scooter one day. I got bit by a little tiny terrier piece of shit lived in a home. And I didn't go get checked because I figured, well, he's probably safe. <laughs> I should have gone to the hospital and got the shots and made him come and get the dog and cut his brain open. You know, I should have done that because he's okay. Anyway, that's a whole other story, but, um, 
Not too many cats there because the dogs eat them all. Uh, the girls, the, both the street prostitutes and, and the other kinds of freelancers and pretty much any girl in that town was for hire. Pretty much. God, it would have been really rare that the girls there weren't for hire. I'm not sure I ever saw it. I mean, I didn't approach them all for, you know, but pretty much all of them, I would say. Even the old fat ones were available. You know, they are. I'm sorry. That was the currency. Sex was the currency, period. Uh, an incredible mix of, of foreigners everywhere, most of whom didn't speak English. We'll talk about types of foreigners there at some point. Um, and I just keep coming back to the smells, the food and the poop. Scrumptious food smells and then nauseating poop smells. And it just goes back and forth depending on which way the wind wafts at any given moment. Uh, the heat, everything smelled like wet jungle. Um, interestingly, the traffic is not allowed in Thailand. The Thais don't honk hardly at all. It's considered very rude and will get you shot. Thais don't honk. Vietnamese honk for fun. I have literally truthfully watched Vietnamese driving down the main boulevards of Saigon early in the morning, not a car in fucking sight. And they're on that horn. Nobody in front of them, nobody in, I mean, for 200 yards, nobody in front of them, nobody behind them, nobody going the other way, nobody doing anything, no dogs, no people wanting to cross the street. There's no one around and they're just on that horn. Seen that a lot of times in Saigon and Vietnam. In Thailand, they don't honk. If anybody's honking, it's going to be some goddamn fucking fat Brit pretty much every time. So in this little town, there were lots and lots of places where you could get drinks and eat. Um, menus were often or usually in English, or they had both. So you actually had some idea what the hell you were going to order. That was amazing to me. Uh, still, every third entree is going to be no have, you know, because that's just the Thai way, Southeast Asian way. Every country is the same. Um, food was passable. It was really cheap. Um, it was, when the sun went down, it was glitzy, glitzy. Oh, my God. It makes me miss it right now. I mean, that's a, that's a very concentrated evil. You know, you can only take so much of that for any given period of time, but I've been away from it for a year. And so now I miss it. Now I miss that. You know, if I was back in it for one evening, I would have enough and I'd have to go away again. But, um, you talk about excitement, especially when it's brand new to you, as it was to me at that time, brand new. Oh, it was absolutely. The first few weeks there, first months there, were absolutely the most exciting time of my life in any country, anywhere in the world. Um, it was, every single moment was 
pretty close to thrilling, and some of them were actually thrilling. My God, what an experience it was. And of course, as always, you know, familiarity breeds contempt and it, and it starts to wear off. Um, I don't think I ever felt contempt. I just, it, you know, you, you can only take so much sensory input and then it starts to wear off. It's the same sensory input, but you're used to it now. And it's not so new, it's not so fresh, it's not so thrilling, but it's still pretty good, pretty good, pretty good. And you're, and you're thinking, if I would have had to leave Thailand at that time for some reason, I would have cried my eyes out. I don't know that I would have wanted to live. I mean that honestly. If I would have had to go back to the U.S. right then, I don't know that I would have. If there was just no choice but to go back, you know, 10 guys with guns and they're, and they're going to tie me up and put me on a plane, take me back, I don't know that I would have wanted to live. Because to me, that was life. That was the beginning of real life that I'd never really experienced before. Um, wow. So I hung out there. And I walked around. I walked farther and farther and farther. Had my big cameras. Started clicking away. Just clicking, clicking, clicking. And... Food was okay. Health was good. Plenty of money. Lots and lots of money. And I started trying this cafe and that cafe. And a very vast majority of them were open. Open on the sides, I mean. Uh, a lot of them are just have one side and they're open on three sides. Because it's just hot. They don't want to pay for air conditioning, so they just leave them open and let the breeze blow through. And they got fans. They got fans every. That's one thing in the Philippines that ticks me off. They don't have fans. Nobody has fans. Thailand's got fans everywhere. Because they work and they're cheap. Fan is really, really cheap to run. Air conditioners are horribly expensive to run. But fans use almost no power. They just have use almost nothing. They're very, very cheap. So they use them and they're smart. Um, so I would sit at these various places. Usually you get a stool at a counter and I would sit next to the streets and watch the people, just watch the people. And every few minutes, some girl would come and offer herself. And I was like, no, thank you. My alcohol can curb. And when you're polite about it, uh, God, they love you more. If you just wave them off, brush them off, well, that's rude. What the fuck? You know, yes, they're prostitutes. Yes, they're sluts. Yes, they're they're whatever. But they're offering you their body, which actually is connected to their soul. Okay, and you don't take that lightly. Maybe they do. Doesn't mean you have to. Maybe they don't even understand what they're offering you. But you can understand it. You got a brain? Don't be rude. Fuck. Take that rude fucking shit, shove it up your ass, and stay in America. Stay in England. When they offer you something, you say, My own Cochran Crub, thank you, thank you. No, not today. You know. And they'll give you a little why. Maybe a little curtsy thing, a bow, and then move on to the next. 
what reason do you have for making them feel like shit? The Brits do this. They just wave them off. Fuck you. Get away. Fucking whore. Fuck the Brits. Really? I said this a thousand times. When I first went there, I had no experience with Brits at all. I don't think I'd ever known one. And after, I don't know, about eight or nine hundred thousand experiences watching Brits be assholes, I learned about Brits. They taught me well, and it was relentless. And now my hatred for them is uh, pretty much total. For the Brits in Southeast Asia, not for normal Brits in Great Britain, England. Um, the ones that go to Southeast Asia are a different breed. There are a certain tiny little strata of Brits in England. And they're the scum of the scum. They're the worst. They're the worst element of England. So anyway. But my real downside to Southeast Asia for me is the Brits. Well, the Phalangs in general, but the Brits especially. And I've said I know lots of people who just left Southeast Asia, maybe went to South America, something like that, because they couldn't stand the Brits. If they're polite, intelligent people, you're not going to be happy with the Brits. Um, the Russians are another factor. They're completely different than the Brits, completely different, but they are as annoying, almost as annoying. The Brits, I, I mean, the Russians, I'm sorry, they aren't. Oh, God, they're about 1% as mouthy as the Brits. They're thieving, scamming, violent assholes, like Klingons. But they're not mouthy like the Brits and the Brits. It's one thing to be mouthy and back it up. The Brits are mouthy and they won't back it up. They're just fat, pudding-headed. Okay, that's enough Brit bashing. Jesus Christ. You go live there for 10 years and then you tell me you love the Brits. Well, maybe you're one of them. <laughs> he says, God, they drove me crazy. They drive everybody crazy. And they are the biggest reason reason why Thailand especially has soured on phalangs because they see how the Brits act and they think, oh, that's how all phalangs act. Because they, they don't understand that England is a tiny little place in Western Europe. You know, it's it, it doesn't represent all phalangs. They just see the Brits acting badly and they think, oh, okay, now, now I understand what phalangs are like. Oh, yeah, they're fucked. Okay, we don't want them here. Okay, so that's what has happened over the years. And now, well, in the tourist areas, especially, phalangs are barely welcome. They're treated badly, rudely, mostly due to the behavior of the Brits. Jesus Christ. Uh, in all fairness, there are among phalangs, phalangs, uh, there are more Brits in, in Thailand than any other Farang. Just because it's, it's pretty close to, 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 to England, you know. 
so it's easier for them to come. There's a lot of Germans there. The Germans, nobody likes the Germans either, but they pretty much stay to themselves. They're somewhat intelligent. Um, they're really super anal retentive. Uh, I didn't, I only had trouble with one German. He was a landlord, anal retentive piece of shit, screwed me on my deposit. Okay, so I hung around in that town for a while. So at this point, we're, I don't know, probably seven months after I lost my wife. And I'm feeling lonely because I had had her for 40 years. And we were close. Close. You know, if one of us had to travel somewhere, we talk every hour. Uh, so I was feeling lonely. Uh, but I had never taken a prostitute in my life. And had no intention to, no desire to. What the hell? What the hell? What? For, for what? Go look at porn if I want to see naked girls, you know. A picture in a porn video has the same soul. I, I'm, I'm going to get as much of an exchange from the soul of a picture as I'm going to get from a prostitute. Well, not really, but kind of seemed that way. I, I wanted an exchange of souls, not an exchange of bodies. I just was never wired that way in my life. Never was. Never. Uh, and there were plenty of times I wished I was, because life might have been easier. I don't know. Some ways it might have. Anyway, so I, I finally found a uh, restaurant slash bar. It was open on one, two, two sides on a busy soy. And I made it a point every day to stop in you know, five or eight different places like that and just have a Coke. I, I don't drink. I don't drink. Um, once in a great while. Great, great while. Once a year. And so I was doing the uh, Goldilocks thing. You know, this bed is too soft. This one's too hard. You know, looking for places that, that would be comfortable to hang out. And I found this one bar slash restaurant thing. Um, and it had a lot of stools lining the soy at a counter and I could sit there, order whatever I wanted and watch the people, just endless, endlessly watch the people and take pictures. And I was in hog heaven, truly in hog heaven. Uh, a little bit of jungly stuff right kind of around the building and so you know, you didn't feel like you were totally in the middle of the city, and you were, but vegetation I'd never seen before, really lush, beautiful vegetation that made it feel exotic, and smells and sights, and uh, it was a lady bar, which pretty much every bar, I don't think pretty much, I think every bar, without exception, was a lady bar in that town. So they always had... Um, Lots and lots of ladies available uh, for hire if you wanted one. And uh, occasionally, not occasionally, I got, I don't know, like two or three times an hour, I suppose, one of them would come over and, and sit down and want to talk and, you know, 
can you buy me a drink? Well, no, I'm sorry. And, um, they talk for a minute anyway, or a few minutes, or sometimes a freaking half an hour, you know. And, and their English was better because they had been fucking lots and lots and lots of halangs, and they had learned English. And uh, you could talk to him a little bit. Um, you weren't going to have any intellectual, philosophical conversations, but pass the time of day a little bit. And then when they finally figured out you're not going to buy them a lady drink and you're not going to take them, then they'd give you a nice little why and a little bow and they'd go off and look for for somebody who would be a customer, you know. And that was fine. That, that gave me a little teeny little bit of companionship. Girls were all gorgeous. Gorgeous. And uh, that's why I passed most of the next month just hanging out there and in a few other places, but a lot of time there. So everybody got to know me. And uh, it was fine. It was a good life. I was happy. I was pretty happy. I was still lonely. I still wanted, quote unquote, a real relationship. But um, even a friend, you know, even just a friend, just somebody, somebody in my life. Uh, but wasn't going to go the prostitute thing, just wasn't going to go there. I just, I couldn't. I was just sort of genetically prevented from doing it. Even if I wanted to, I couldn't do it. I, I just wired in a very strange way, which has vexed me all my life. Um, and then it got to the point where I had to make a decision because my, the last of my visas was just about up. Had about a week left. And I'm thinking, okay, well, now it's crunch time. What the hell are you going to do, Paisano? <laughs> you going to stay here a while or are you going to go to another country? Well, it was a pretty, pretty much a no-brainer. I was happy. Uh, still in that same hotel. It was okay. A lot of it was kind of raucous at night, but not that bad, you know. Um, and it was okay. So I decided, okay, I've got to go get a real visa. And I thought, oh, God, this is going to suck. This is going to be fucked up. And I was in a I was in a gentleman's club. I met some guy in a gentleman's club. He was a doctor from Australia. And I told you his story earlier in one of the early ones <laughs> about, the, about the lady he took to Australia, found her in the back of the cab. Um, so I met that guy about this time and the, the subject of, uh, visas came up and I'm, and I'm thinking, oh God, what am I going to do? What am I going to, how, how do I do this? I didn't know anything about how to approach it. And he just mentioned off the cuff, he said, Hey, there's this guy that he used for visas. The guy is the best guy in the world. He's a, he's a, was he Australian or American? I can't remember. Philang. He was an attorney. He was an actual registered attorney in Thailand, and that's all he did was visas. That's all he did. Um, I told you before, there are billions of these quote-unquote agents who will set you up with a visa in Thailand, and I don't know, somewhere around half of them are just scams. They're just going to take your money, and they're going to say, well, we got a problem. we got to pay off this guy. we got to pay off that guy. We need more money, more money, more money, and you're never going to get a visa. And if you do, it's going to be a fake visa. 
and you're going to go out of the country someday, maybe for a trip to somewhere. And then a few days later, you're going to come back and you're going to try to check back into Thailand on your retirement visa. And it's going to be non-valid because it was fake. And you're probably going to go to jail. You might get banned from Thailand for a year or two or three or five. Ah, Jesus fucking Christ. Some of the agents are legit, but you got to research them. Fucking God. Anyway, so this guy, this doctor, had been using this attorney for, I don't know, 25 years. 20 years. 20 years. And uh, he was just the best. He, he, he came, he just recommended him as the best in Thailand, period. So I went to see him like the next day and he said, yeah, no problem. You know, 600 bucks, retirement visa, have it in a week. And that's it for a year, you're done. Oh, happy days. Happy fucking days. <laughs> Gave him the money, and then we had my passport back, nice shiny one-year visa stamped in there, and I was skippity-doo. I was happy, man, happy, 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 happy. Okay, so then Thailand was mine. Good for a year. God, what a nice feeling. Stability. I had a little stability in my life. And um, I decided that the hotel, it was time to get out of that hotel. That's a little bit expensive. Why Why be paying that much? I was paying 10000 baht a week probably, and I should be paying 10000 baht a month, you know, for a room. Um, and so I... Started asking around in this in this bar slash restaurant thing. I started asking around. Anybody know of a room for rent? And somebody did. <laughs> um, and that's a story unto itself. And I'm going to cut this one short, so it'll be easy to render. <laughs> and the next one, we're going to tell the story of how I got my first room in Thailand. And then we're going to talk more about you getting a room in Thailand and what not to do. God, there's some pitfalls. I've got a huge website, huge website about a scamming, scamming. Uh, realtor, real estate, property, rental place. And I'll probably put the link up here at some point. Uh, I've never been scammed by anybody in my life except by them. I mean, in, 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 in a real estate deal like that. Um, never been scammed like that in my life. Oh, Jesus. I don't have words for it. The, the website is, I don't know, probably 30, 40, 50 pages long. It's humongous. Details every goddamn dishonest criminal fucking thing they did. Um, and I'll give you the link to that, but, and, and I'll tell you the name of it at some point. Um, so there's lots and lots of pitfalls to getting a room in Thailand. Lots. How, how many are, how many, okay. Of all the places that are going to try to give you a room, how many of them are you going to end up being scammed by at some point? 
right off the top or in a month or in six months or in a year when you try to leave, whatever. Oh, man, I'm going to say somewhere around 60, 70%. It's a bad, 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 bad place to be renting a place. you got to be really, really stinking careful. You're almost never going to get back a deposit. No matter how well you documented it. You know, I would do videos of the walkthrough when I was first moving in with the landlord there. And I would document every little thing that was wrong or dirty or anything with them in the same video. No cuts in the video, no nothing. And then I would do the same thing when I'm moving out. Uh, and they would just make stuff up. And I would go back in the video and say, look, what, what, what are you talking about there? You know, this damage right here, it's in this video when I moved in. And now you're saying I did it. No. Well, take me to court. Well, you can't. There's no real meaningful court. And if, if, you, if you do go to one, ties you're going to win every single time. So you're going to lose your deposit most times, somewhere around 85% probably, because they're just going to lie and, and, and cheat and steal and scam. But what I found was, after all those years, yes, the ties will do that to you, but the phalangs, phalang landlords, will do it much more, much more, because Thailand is an invitation to scamming, thieving, stealing, dishonest, dishonorable phalangs. You know, half the time they left their own country because they're being run out of that country because they're scammers. And maybe the police are closing in on them or something. They got to get out. So they go to Southeast Asia. They start a new business where the laws are much more lax and they can get away with much more shit. And I'll tell you, the, I'll tell you the first story of my first real room in Thailand. I got, I got screwed on almost every place I stayed there, almost everyone. Uh, anyway, so that's, that's for, for the next one. Get in a room. It's called getting a room in Thailand. <laughs> okay. And that'll be number 12. It's a horrific story. Uh, okay. And that's it. So thank you very much. Now I'm going to go watch the monsoons. They're fun. I like them. I like to watch the dogs swimming down the street. You know, that's funny as hell. <laughs> Sometimes the people. <laughs> so, uh, Philippines gets far more rain than Thailand. Which I like. I come from a rainy environment. And I, and I that's kind of in my DNA. So I like, I, I don't like the rain of Ketchikan. You know, that's, ah, that's fucked up. <laughs> you know, what are they getting there? 100 and, 150 inches a year or some damn thing. You know, Seattle gets 29. Okay, Ketchikan gets like 150 or something. That's <laughs> insane. Uh, I don't know how much uh, like Manila gets. Um, that'll be up there. Don't know. Never looked it up. But it, 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 there's enough rain to satisfy me. It's, it's nice. It cools things down. It's refreshing. I love walking around with an umbrella. Going to coffee shops, stuff like that. Okay, so this is it. We're done. Thank you very much. And God, if I didn't say it, all tapes are copyright 2023. 
by stockphotosworldwide.com. Uh, the link to these things is right there near the top of the page. It's very hard and impossible to miss it. Um, RSS feeds are starting to pick them up now. Uh, we, we allowed a few of them to go on to YouTube. Just, just a few, because we hate, loathe, and detest YouTube. Um, and then we, we cut that off so they're not automatically going to YouTube anymore. We just wanted a small handful on there, just as a token presence. But uh, everybody, I'm pretty sure 100% of people who ever put content on YouTube have trouble with YouTube because YouTube will object to something they say. And God knows there's plenty in these things for people to object to. So we don't expect anything we ever put on YouTube to stay there very long. Or maybe they'll allow it to stay there until it gets to the point of being monetized. And then they'll go like take, take a hard look at it and, uh, and jerk it off. Uh, or maybe they'll let you accrue a whole bunch of money from revenue, from, from advertising for the content you've put on there. And uh, maybe they haven't paid you for two, three, four months. And then all of a sudden, they just jerk your content because you said something they didn't personally like. Some little snowflake was offended by it. And they just jerk your content and we're not going to pay you. And that's that. So we're not ever going to put enough on YouTube where that can piss us off. I don't like being pissed off and you won't like me when I'm pissed off either. And YouTube, sure enough, fuck won't like me when I'm pissed off. We can go a whole nother level. Steal from me and we go to a whole nother level. Because I'm tired. I'm sensitized to it now after a decade in Southeast Asia. Uh, there's no recourse against Southeast Asians when they rip you off. There's just virtually none. Uh, against people in Western countries, yeah, there's all kinds of recourse. And I know most of the tricks and I know how to use them really well. But I don't want to go to the trouble. I don't want to expend that energy to do it. So I just stay away from places I'm likely to be scammed and ripped off. And YouTube is one of the biggest ones. So I just avoid stockphotosworldwide.com. That's where all the content will always be. You know, maybe you'll find it other places, but it's always going to be stockphotosworldwide.com. Okay, thank you very much and good evening and good night. We be done. Where's my, where's my camera? Okay. All right. Yeah, we're done.